Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 70th episode of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how are you? I am good. Uh, fully relaxed. Oh, good. Good. Because yesterday, um, mm-hmm. after getting a adorable new tattoo with my friend Sam... Oh, we got spooky bestie tattoos. Uh, I'm sorry, where's our spooky bestie tattoo? We gotta get them. Yeah, okay. I'm all down for getting matching tattoos with people. I'm gonna get another one awesome. with my friend Rena. Uh, I have several with Travis. Awesome. Like, okay, I'm all down to get matching tattoos with people. But we on Saturday got these little tattoos that are mine is a knife with a ghost face face in it. From Scream. Yes. And in the same style, Sam got a machete with Jason Voorhees. Yes, I saw that on the Twin Ports Horror Society page, right? Yep, I posted it on there because I was so proud of him. But now I got this. I didn't even notice it was from you. (laughs) No, I got this sweet little ink sack just on my leg because they put this bandage over it that keeps like the plasma and stuff inside to like help the healing process. And so it's just a little bubble, ink sack bubble. Ew. It's so fun. Okay. <laughs> it's like a blister that doesn't hurt. <laughs> Just a little ink sack. <laughs> Just a little ink sack. And then after that, Sean got home from work and we went out to Stephen Libby's cabin. Yeah. I was surprised when he messaged me. He's like, oh, uh, Sean, Kayla, and Wes are here. I'm like, oh, thanks for inviting me to the party. Well, you Just had, kidding. I was totally had, invited. I was doing other stuff. I was like, you had been invited. I know you were. Yeah. I know. But yeah. uh, there's no cell phone reception out there. Steve is the only one with cell phone reception. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just basically got to ignore everything else and play board games and sit in a very hot room. Which is what you like. Well, no, not. Well, yes. Yes. But I mean, like the sauna. Oh, yes. See, and I hate saunas. So Steve is always like all gung ho about it. And I'm like, no. But we played several board games, sat in a sauna, and then Sean and I shared a twin bed because that was the bed that was open. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that twin bed. It is tiny. I swear it's not even a twin bed. I think it's smaller. It's like in college when your beds are even smaller, but like longer. I feel like that's what that bed is. But either way, no stress, very relaxing, woke up, just kind of hung around, and then finally decided to come back home and get ready to record the podcast. Well, that's awesome. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. good. I, I had a very eventful week. It was just like nonstop events. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then today I had to do all of my work and all of my research. You're but, a sociable gal. I'm I'm really not though. But but I did. <laughs> I did. I did it all. I did all the socializing. Went to Ben Paddle's festiversary yesterday, which is why I was not at the cabin with you all. Um, it was really fun. Got to hang out with Margie and Steve. I'm very excited for this coming Friday though, because Margie has been talking about it for forever, and we're finally gonna do it. We're gonna have a tub thumping party. Um, does that just mean you're going to be pissing the night away? We're going to be drinking 
the whiskey drinks and the vodka drinks, the lager drinks and the cider drinks. We're going to sing the songs that remind us of the good times and the songs that remind us of the sad times. That sounds like a lot of things to do in one evening, and I feel like you're going to be hungover the next day. Oh, I'm not going to mix. That would be disgusting. I don't even like lager. So wait, is somebody going to drink a whiskey drink, then somebody else is going to drink a vodka drink? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to be drinking the vodka drinks. Hey, as long as you have a plan, because otherwise, yeah, mixing all those drinks together, that's hangover city. No wonder you're singing songs about the good times. And then the bad times that come afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah, that that's my this coming Friday. But yeah, this last weekend was full of honestly, it was full of a lot of alcohol. And I'm a little bummed out that I'm having to drink alcohol so soon after this weekend. Like I wasn't hung over any of those days, but I just I'd love to take like a two week break. But vodka. You could uh, drink the mocktail drinks. Just pretend they're vodka. Just pretend. Yeah, I'll just, you know, none, none of those people listen to this podcast anyway, so I'll just be like, oh, here's some soda water. Totally vodka in here, I swear. It's just soda water and a lime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds delicious. That's what I get at Luce. Refreshing. Exactly. Exactly. I have a location request this week. Oh, nice. Who's, who's this request by? My mom. Your mom. So our regular listeners might recall that a couple of weeks ago, it was my mother's birthday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for our regular listeners' birthdays, we love to offer the fact that we would cover a location for you if you want. Birthday present coverage. Well, mom never actually gave me a location until now. So now is mom's belated birthday request location place. Awesome. Can we always call them belated birthday request location places yes no that's too hard to say i obviously can't say that very well we'll we'll figure out a different name so mom requested i just cover any place in annapolis maryland oh oh okay annapolis maryland is pretty old isn't it very i feel like there's a lot of victorian houses out there At the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay sits the home of the United States Naval Academy, the city of Annapolis, Maryland, which claims to have more original structures dating back to the 18th century than any other city in America. Did we plan that? No, we did not. No, we really didn't. You had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Annapolis has a great deal of memorable haunted locations, as any city that old would. Mm -hmm. The most famous hauntings seem to go between two locations. It's like a battle it out scenario for what's the most haunted. The first one is the James Bryce House. The Bryce family was one of the most high society families in Annapolis in the late 1700s to early 1800s. Despite their status, they did, however, hold a few dark secrets behind the walls of their well-known home at 42 East Street. Not surprised. The Bryce House was built by James Bryce, a lawyer and a planter who served as the mayor of Annapolis from 1782 to 83 and 1787 to 88, and was acting governor of Maryland in 1792. Construction began in April of 1767 and took almost seven years to build. 
Several dignitaries visited the 30-room, two-and-a-half-story mansion while James Bryce was head of the household, including George Washington, Marquis de Lafayette, and James Madison. All characters in Hamilton, the Broadway musical. Now, I, how many weeks has it been since you referenced Hamilton? It, it's Quite a few. Too many. Too many weeks. Glad, I'm glad you broke that. As I was doing that, I was like, should I say something about Hamilton? No, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I like how the answer was, the question was, should I? The answer was no. And then you're like, I'm gonna anyway, though. Lafayette, I'm taking these horses by the reins, make the red coats redder with blood stains. Lafayette, sorry. James' son, Thomas, inherited the house and lived there as a bachelor. The house stayed in the Bryce family until 1874 when it was purchased by the Martin family. And in 1911, it was bought by the proprietors of the nearby Carvel Hall Hotel. St. John's College acquired the house in 1927 and converted it into faculty apartments. Stanley and Helen Wool bought it in 1953 and restored it to a single family home for use. In 1979, the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftsmen purchased the house. Uh, you might better know them as the International Masonry Institute. Ah. Mm -hmm. And they used it for offices and meeting facilities. And then at this point, it went up for sale again and recognized as one of Maryland's most important historic resources, the state of Maryland actually purchased the house. This happened in 2014, and they arranged for Historic Annapolis and Company to maintain and manage it, and it became a National Historic Landmark property. So in its 255 years, it has changed hands quite a few times, mm -hmm. and obviously that's a lot of different uses for the building. So it was remodeled a lot. Yeah. Historians commend James Bryce for the extraordinary accounts of the work he put into like making sure that all the construction was documented. So since being purchased by the state of Maryland, they mm -hmm. have begun extensive construction to get it back to its original setup. Good. That's what you, yeah. They want to get it back to where it was and they can be thankful to Bryce for his documentation because according to Historic Annapolis, it is perhaps matched only by the overly obsessive record-keeping of Thomas Jefferson at Monticello or by the meticulous writings of George Washington about his Mount Vernon estate. And while a lot of the remodels in the past tried to keep it, like, historic, tried to keep Authentic. it looking nice, they definitely yeah. did a lot of modernizing that they would rather not have now. Ah, yeah. That, that happens. While the house is known for its beautiful appearance, there are some skeletons in the closet, both uh, figuratively and apparently literally. Oh. When they sold the house to William Martin, there was always this rumor that the Bryce family was hiding treasure in the home. So William okay. started renovations hoping to uncover the fortune. It was during those renovations that a secret door was found behind a wall in a basement. That secret door was not hiding riches, though. It revealed a room that contained the remains of a young woman. What? There were apparently scratch marks and fingernails along the no. wall. This discovery led to belief uh, that the family it, it had two theories. Either the family had a member who suffered mental illness, which in the 1700s, that was super frowned upon and kept secret. Mm-hmm. 
or that it was one of the slaves that might have ticked the family off. They don't know for sure who it was, but those were their working theories. That is absolutely awful. Either way, absolutely awful. And then just to wall her up? Yeah. The Bryce family had slaves, like many white people did in the um, 17 and 1800s. Mm -hmm. Many of these people came with their own beliefs from their regions of origin, mm -hmm. their own religions. Some of those beliefs included hoodoo and voodoo. And part of the practices with those beliefs is the use of talismans or basically just different objects for protection. Mm -hmm. In the 1990s, another renovation that included the kitchen and the basement led to the discovery of several of these talismans, some of which were like crosses, but some were like more handmade, and they found them in the walls. How cool is that? And it is believed that these were placed from the people who were slaves of the Bryce family, thinking that maybe they did it for their protection while they were in that home. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Some articles said that it was to curse the Bryce family, but there's nothing that indicates that. And based on some of the other articles I read, it seemed like it was more likely that it was people trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Many people think that the Bryce House is the most haunted place in the city of Annapolis, and it is said that the Bryce House has about 10 different spirits haunting it. 10? Wow. I got specifics on some of them, not all of them. Because okay. apparently in order to get all of them, you have to... Buy the book? No, go to very, like, specific haunted tour times. Oh, okay. People have often reported seeing the full-bodied apparition of James Bryce in the home. These sightings date all the way back to when his wife was still living there after he had passed away. She claimed to see him wearing black clothing and he had long white hair mm -hmm. and he just walks around the house. Sightings continued when the house was used by St. John's College. Professors of the college claimed to see a man in black period clothing walking around the house with long white hair. Huh. So his wife saw him. Then later on, when it was a college, they saw him. Yep. So he's been hanging out for a while. And if it was just his wife, people could have claimed that that was, you know, a grieving widow. But then yeah. years later, people without any connection to his family claimed to see mm -hmm. the ghost. They have detailed their supernatural experiences in the house in several interviews and articles, and it was several different professors. Another spirit rumored to haunt the location is James' son, Thomas, the man who lived there as a bachelor. His death is a little more brutal. Apparently, oh, no. he was bludgeoned to death in the home by his valet. Oh. What did he do? And now people claim to see a spirit resembling him walking through the home. On occasion, witnesses have also seen the valet and there have been, like, echo hauntings where they have seen Thomas and the valet reenacting the murder uh, in the library. Oh, it was the valet in the library with a candlestick. <laughs> Shit. While it is argued that the following aspect of this story is embellishment, it's still pretty creepy. And some that have seen the ghost of Thomas claim that you can see that he is clearly bleeding from his head. Ugh. 
There's also the standard claims of cold spots and things moving around on their own. But the most unsettling ghost is the ghost of the crying girl. Is she believed to be the one that was in the basement? Yep. They think that that is the ghost of the body that was found in the basement. Now, she was given a proper burial. The remains were buried properly once they were found. I mean, it's the least they could do. But she does not seem to be at rest. Reports say it sounds like there is somebody screaming for their life. Oh, my God. These cries can be heard outside of the home. And the cries are so realistic that police have responded to calls about it and showed up at the house and investigated and found no cause for the screams. Oh, my God. There is also a lady in white here, but no one knows for sure who she is. She is usually seen wailing by the ballroom mantle. Wailing? Wailing. Like just crying. Crying. Oh, okay. If you do see her, apparently lighting candles in the room will cause her to vanish. Okay. Whenever tour guides are asked about the house, they mostly just kind of keep to themselves and don't want to talk about it. Think Glensheen Mansion prior Mm -hmm. to being more open about it. You have to keep in mind that this is now the headquarters for Historic Annapolis. They are not, they're giving historic tours. They're not giving ghost tours. Right. If you are looking to get in on the creep of factor of it all, the Drames Bryce Hotel does open its doors in October to welcome ghost seekers for their Annapolis Tours Historic Ghost Walk. Although awesome. the most recent article I read from this year said that They are doing more extensive restoration work at this time, so it's a hard hat only zone. So they may or may not, depending on where they're at, open up for a ghost tour this fall. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to make it all the way to Ann Arbor anyway this year, so... uh, Annapolis? Yeah. Ann Arbor is in Michigan. Yeah. I won't make it there either. (laughs) Annapolis this year anyway, so... You know, it's fine with me. (laughs) So very old location, very well known. But there's another location that seems to compete with the James Bryce for the most haunted building in Annapolis. Shout out to Haunted Rooms, because that's where I got a lot of this story from. Uh Uh-huh. And this one, well, it does not seem to have the same mass of ghosts, the quality of the story behind it is chef's kiss. Really good. The Maryland Inn sits on a corner on a very busy intersection and it's kind of this weird triangle shaped building. I mean, it's not triangle, it's rounded off, but it Mm -hmm. looks very old and apparently the basement, like the foundation of it, predates the inn and is one of the oldest foundations in the city. So another very old location. Was was there a building that was there before that burnt down and then they just rebuilt this on the same foundation? I didn't find any information on what was on there before. It just kept saying that it predates the inn. Okay. Sightings of ghosts from every era in Maryland's history have been reported at the Maryland Inn, particularly in the basement where the foundation predates the building. Figures in ancient uniforms have been seen coming from the basement's wine cellar, which is gated, moving towards their tap room that was apparently used to be a tap room anyway because they keep saying it beckons with the promise of companionship and beer. So (laughs) 
Do with okay. that what you want. Employees of the inn tell stories of hearing voices in the empty dining room, catching very strong smells of pipe tobacco, cold spots, finding objects moved out of place, or hearing footsteps in vacant guest rooms, especially on the fourth floor. And that brings us to the most famous ghost of the hotel. She's known simply as the bride. Of course there's a bride. According to local legend, the bride came to in... I almost said Indianapolis. We're just constantly confusing Annapolis with other cities today. You know, they they sound so much alike. (laughs) I don't blame you as long as you don't blame me. According to local legend, the bride came to Annapolis from North Carolina in 1817 to celebrate her wedding to Navy Captain Charles Campbell. This was an event that was long awaited, long delayed because of his military career. So, after proposing to the bride in about 1805 or so, Mr. Campbell had to go back out to sea. He was hoping to earn enough money to settle down with his wife and live happily after he was retired from his military career. Uh-huh. They wanted a farm of their own. They had big, big plans. Ugh, love it. Wait, I know this story is not going to go well. Sad. Sad. Don't love it. Don't love it. Skilled sailors were in high demand at the opening years of the 19th century because the American shipping industry had pretty much doubled in size in the little over a decade, like between 1800 and 1812. Great Britain was at war with France during much of Campbell's early times at sea, and when British ships began stopping American vessels to search for deserters from the Royal Navy and to indict the shipment of goods to France, basically they were just like trying to stop stuff. The United States Navy began looking for more than a few good men. They started looking for a crap ton of them, and that would equal Charles Campbell. Ah. So he took a commission as an officer, and by the end of the war, he had risen to the command of his own vessel. But he had no chance to come into port long enough to actually get his bride to the altar. So they were together. They didn't see each other a lot, and they were just waiting. They, They wanted to do it right. That is so sad. In 1817, he was released from service and wrote to his lovely fiance, asking her to come to Annapolis to meet him. And they would marry there, he said, and at last begin their life together. According to the inn lore, his bride began immediately packing and left her small town to come to Annapolis, which in 1817 was a bustling and dangerous seaport it was not a like nice place to be it was the stereotypical big city down like, by the docks down by the yeah exactly down by the docks but captain campbell had directed her in his letter to go to the inn like okay. hang out there that's where i'll meet you you'll be taken care of you'll be fine and he had actually written to ask the staff to take special care of his wife he had stayed there before so they knew who he was That's kind of him. And so under the loving attention of the staff, she took possession of his usual room on the fourth floor and settled in to wait. Some stories say that she was waiting for weeks. Some stories say it was just days. I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle there. Maybe it was a Uh week. I don't know. But whenever Captain Campbell's ship came in, its entrance to the harbor was noted and a message sent to the inn where the staff 
promptly gave the bride the news, and she immediately changed into the dress that she had made for the day. She had embroidered it herself. She had asked the maids to help her with packing and putting her hair in. She was basically getting all dolled up and ready to see her man. Are we going to the altar right now? <laughs> no the more ship- waiting. <laughs> the ship came in near dawn, but the hours crept slowly past until it was about noon. Throughout the morning, the bride's footsteps could be heard impatiently pacing back and forth on the wide planks upstairs. She was just so stoked. She couldn't sit down and relax. She needed a pace for a long time, apparently. I feel that. Yep. That'd be me. It is said that she was just basically pacing back to the door and then back to the window to constantly look outside the window, keeping an eye out for him. In the early afternoon, one of the maids brought her a small meal and stayed to talk. Most of the staff were caught up in this gorgeous love story. I mean, it had been days or weeks or whatever. They knew what was happening. They were not as excited as her, but they were like into it. It's like a really good episode of Grey's Anatomy or something. They were wanting to see what happens. Yeah. Also, apparently another thing to note here was that she was in her 30s. So it was considered extremely romantic that she waited all this time to marry him because this was a time when people got married in their, like, teens and 20s. Yeah, she's an old maid. That's what she is. She she could have tried to find another, like, person, but no, she was waiting for him. This was her man. My man. Perhaps it was the relaxed conversation with the maid or whatever because the bride was not standing there staring out the window so this next part for her was kind of fuzzy but all of a sudden there was a loud commotion below and the bride looked down and shrieked and ran out of the room the maid was like i don't know what is happening and like quickly followed her to try to see what was going on and when the maid got out she saw the bride laying over top the figure of a man in the middle of the street wearing a naval uniform. No. There was a crowd circling around, and apparently witnesses said the captain had paused on the other side of the street, looked up at the building, and when he saw his wife through the window or his fiancée through the window, he, like, practically ran into the street because he was, like, so excited to go see her. Yeah. He did not see the horse-pulled cart that was making its way down the hill. Too heavy for the driver. He tried to stop, but he couldn't stop it. Right. And he got ran over. By horses? Horse and buggy. Uh, He got trampled. Oh, so close. After a long moment of, like, crying and sobbing, she got up, rose to her feet. She didn't talk to anybody. She walked back in to the building, her gown stained with blood, and went back up to her room. Once there, they said she began to pace again. They could hear her shoes on the floor. Right. The maids followed her upstairs because they were, like, invested with her. They liked her. Right. But she had locked the door. And so they were trying to get her to come out, and then they said they could hear her pace paces get faster. And they tried to get her let her in until they... The, they, they heard the paces get faster, and then they were just gone. And she it turns out, out she had jumped out of the window and landed on the same street where her fiancé died. Oh, that is so sad. Both of the unfortunate lovers are said to haunt the inn. 
She is always pacing in her fourth floor bedroom. And apparently he's relaxing with a beer in the basement tap room. Well, that's bullshit. What? He doesn't... You should go up with her. Where he had known many companionable hours where he had just chilled out. (sighs) Kayla, they were supposed to get together in the end. Don't you know? That's not how love stories work. I do not control this story. I mean, I do in the fact that I'm telling telling it, but I'm only reporting what I read. I don't like it. It was bullshit. It was sad. Then Then it made me mad. Captain Campbell has also been seen standing in the window by the main fireplace in what is now the restaurant's dining room. People walking by on the street will glance into the window and spot a man in what is described as like a historical Navy uniform. Mm -hmm. And apparently he is holding a mug, so they think it's just him having another beer. He drinks a lot. The man likes his beer. Yeah. His fiance. Waiting impatiently in her fourth floor bedroom, does not have time to go down to the bar. She's waiting. She's busy up there pacing. She also doesn't have time to chat with guests or staff and is not known for cheerful interactions with the living. I'm I'm not really surprised by that. Guests have been checking in and out of that room since 1817, some leaving without explanation, but others recounting a variety of phenomena. Many say that they just can't stand the monotonous sound of footsteps pacing from door to window. Oh my God, door to window. Door to window. And apparently, sometimes, the window just opens itself in defiance of locks. Don't care if the window's <sighs> locked. It will fly open. All right. All right. I can see all this being very annoying. Some have had more direct experiences of her presence awakening in the middle of the night because they can feel someone sit down on the edge of the bed and then apparently it taps an impatient foot on the floor while sitting on the bed they can feel the weight and hear the foot tapping that's so bitchy in the late 1980s one guest came downstairs in a robe at 2 30 a.m and demanded that management find them another room with no dead people in it her quote <laughs> adding that she could take the sound of the pacing feet but she refused to share the bed i mean that is completely legitimate other restless spirits with equally sad ends are also said to remain in this haunted house a woman dressed in all black is known to frequent the same staircase where apparently she fell to her untimely death mm. there are also unseen children that scamper up and down the hallway giggling as they rush past unsuspecting visitors and Mm. the apparition of a revolutionary soldier is said to haunt the basement the oldest part of the building structure and he is heard Mm -hmm. singing sea shanties in a strong yet distant voice well that is a description strong yet distance yeah all right so i'm gonna ask a different question than a skeptic scale Okay. You just really like switching up the podcast. Like, I'm just going to do this this time. I'm going to have a nerd ass and, you know, all that jazz. Well, no, I'm not not saying that we won't skeptic scale. But before I do the skeptic scale, I got to ask you, because this is a debated topic of which one's more haunted. Which one do you think, without visiting, just going off of the stories I read you, which one do you think is more haunted? I'm going to go with the second one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with the second one because I really liked what that one guest said. 
that, you know, they're fine with the pacing. They will not share the bed. <laughs> All they ask is a room with no dead people. I was actually going to go with the first one because they found the dead body in the basement. Oh, Which yeah. means it was there. If they found it in the 90s during the... No, wait. No, it wasn't the 90s because the 90s was when they found the talismans. Uh-huh. It was found in the 1870s when it was purchased yeah, by I was going to say, I thought it was like last century. That's still at least a couple of decades that that body was just down there. Yeah. And that, I, mean, I feel like, who would dies add a way. lingering level of... <laughs> and then the yeah. cries that you could hear outside the house that caused the police to get called. That's true. Wait, why do I have to pick one or the other? Why can't I think they're both haunted? I just want to know which one you think would be more haunted because it's a more debate haunted. about what is the most haunted building in, in in Annapolis. I think that they're equally haunted. All right. Well, with that in mind, on a skeptic scale. I'm no tiebreaker. <laughs> a para to normal. Para being five, normal being one. Overall, what are you going to give these two buildings? 4.5. All right. I was going four. Solid four. Yeah. Just because I do feel like there were some embellishments in there in my sources. But yeah. you didn't read the I mean, sources yeah, that's like true. I did. So I didn't. No. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Happy birthday, Mom. Belated. Well, it also just so happens that I have a mansion to tell you about as well. Yes, mansions. Love a good mansion. Tonight, I am going to tell you about the Anne Starrett Mansion in Port Townsend, Washington. Total opposite side of the country. <laughs> East coast to west coast. Built in 1889, this beautiful Victorian-style home was inspired by the love between George Starrett and his beautiful wife, Anne Van Boeklin. George, a wealthy contractor, builder, and carpenter, built the house for Anne as her wedding present. A Queen Anne mansion for his Queen Anne. Oh. And he spared no expense. According to the Society of Architectural Historians, that was hard to say. <laughs> According to the Society of Architectural Historians, quote, the Anne Starrett mansion was built for $6,000. In today's in money? In today's money. Yeah. Would be $188,549.35. It had an interior featuring 12-foot ceilings and interior moldings with lions, doves, and ferns. It also featured a free-floating spiral staircase with two complete turns, which the Smithsonian Institute believes is the last of its kind in America. I love a spiral staircase. Love it. Oh, me too. This one leads up to a tower. The architectural detail was fairly extensive. Banisters and newel posts for the staircase alone were carved from five different types of wood. Unquote. The exterior is adorned with wooden embellishments, including stars, sunrises, scrolls, and wings, and features a four-story, eight-sided domed tower. Oh, it's pretty. It's a pretty, pretty building. I believe I would like to live there just based on the description alone. I don't even know what it looks like. Oh, it's so pretty. Except for it's pink, which isn't really my vibe. But you can paint, paint that black. sucker black. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> they go on to say, quote, Perhaps the most notable interior features are the fresco and murals painted onto the walls. 
Inside the top of the tower, accessible via the spiral staircase, are eight panels of frescoes by artist Otto Chapman depicting the Four Seasons, giving the house its alternate name, House of the Four Seasons. The frescoes are intended to double as a solar candle. The dormers are situated in such a way that on the first day of the new season, the sun shines through a window to a ruby red glass in the center of the dome, which then reflects the sunbeam onto the new season's fresco, unquote. So dormers are um, like the the things that stick up with windows in houses. Mm -hmm. And they created uh, the structure of the house so that with each new season, there is a painting to depict the new season. Oh, that's pretty cool. And on the first day of the new season... The sun will hit just in the right place, so then the light will shine directly onto that season's fresco. That is super cool and also really impressive. Very impressive. And it is said that George had Otto Chapman design the angelic maidens in the Four Seasons frescoes to be in Anne's image. And when the sun shines through that ruby red glass onto the maiden painted in Anne's image, it's, quote, recalling George's passion for Anne, the woman he loved unquote that's so cute this better have a happy ending yeah this dude was like head over heels like loved her so much oh adorable there isn't much detail to be found about george and ann's life at the mansion other than the fact that they remained there for the next 20 or so years along with their son edwin or edward depending on your source edwin's live-in nanny who is often described as being a no-nonsense kind of lady, <laughs> and their two servants. Edwin had been born just a few years after the mansion's completion in 1894. But by all accounts, they lived a happy life in the mansion. Good. Feelings of which can be felt to this day. Quote, oh, this the is joy a happy peace. haunting? Yeah, the joy and peace that they maintained in the house are felt immediately by anyone who visits. And besides its beauty, it's what makes the house such a welcoming and comfortable place to stay. Unquote. Oh, I want to go there. It's really pretty. Uh, it was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1970, and it remained in the family until it was sold in 1986 to Bob and Edel Sokol. They invested a bunch of money into the property, turning it into an upscale Victorian bed and breakfast. Super fancy. Uh, They put in additional bathrooms and time period appropriate fireplaces. They renovated and carefully restored the mansion to its original splendor. Does it still have the, the, I forget the word you call, the the mural. Four Seasons frescoes? Yes. Frescoes. Yes, it does. That's okay. I keep thinking of fresca soda. Yeah. No, it's not that. I mean, they might serve fresca there. I'm not really sure. (laughs) Around 2005, the Sokols temporarily closed the bed and breakfast, later reopening it to just be an upscale hotel. Sounds the breakfast, just the beds. Uh, But they did eventually decide that they wanted to retire and put the mansion up for sale. And it looks like ever since, it's been stuck in a state of limbo. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So it was listed for sale in 2009. The price was reduced in 2010. The listing was removed later in 2010, listed again in spring of 2011, price reduced in fall of 2012, reduced again in spring of 2013, and removed summer of 2013. It has been relisted, reduced, removed, and then re-added until October of 2016 when it was taken off the market 
at an asking price of $850,000. I'm sorry, but angry ghost having mansions with uh-huh. no actual function, like deserted and decrepit mansions, have sold so fast for so, so much fast. money. And you're yeah. telling me that this gorgeous mansion that is literally haunted by happy Happiness? feelings yeah. can't be... Th- bullshit. I would buy a happy haunted house so freaking fast you don't I even know. know. I want to walk into a room and be haunted by happiness. Yeah, just love. Just feelings of love and happiness whenever you walk in. Amazing. <laughs> but no. No. Yeah, so it's taken off the market in October of 2016. Uh, then four and a half years later, in April of 2021, it was listed again for $1,005,000. So huge price jump. Yeah. Maybe they were doing more renovations or something? I think it's just the market. Everything is more expensive now. There are 11 bedrooms, 10 bathrooms. The mansion has a library, a parlor, parlor, a sitting room, and even more. Uh, The listing has it set as a single family house. So I'm guessing they're hoping for like a Brady Bunch situation. But as of right now, rooms can be rented out through Airbnb via a super host simply known as C. Okay. And while most of the reviews go on about the cleanliness of the rooms, the beauty of the art and architecture, and so on and so on, there are said to be a few entities that reside there permanently, other than the guests' three cats and small dogs, who mostly hang out on the main floor of the Airbnb. Yeah, this this Airbnb comes with cats. Love it. Guests and staff alike have reported seeing a red-haired woman, thought to be Anne herself, or possibly one of her descendants. She is reported as being a peaceful, welcoming spirit who is seen and felt throughout the mansion, described as quietly wandering around the house and often seen admiring the solar calendar created specially by George for his lovely wife, Anne. Mm. According to one source, quote, one of the Anne Starrett mansion's two innkeepers was outside walking towards the locked up empty mansion, or so she thought. Looking up, she saw a red-haired woman from the waist up standing on the freestanding staircase admiring the solar calendar. Interestingly, the innkeeper only saw half of a person through the window on the stairs, though any real person you would have been able to see head to toe. When the concerned innkeeper rushed inside, no one was there, though an unseen presence may well have been. Unquote. Folks will often also see a male entity, thought to be George, who will at times accompany the red-haired woman. Cute. Oh my god, this is so cute. He is also described as being a peaceful, loving spirit. Just all the good vibes. And then there is the nanny. Uh, Deemed to be the most interactive spirit, she is the only spirit in the mansion that interacts with the staff and guests, especially in her old bedroom on the second floor. She is described as being an older, dignified, strict, but well-mannered woman in a black dress with gray hair. In her old room on the second floor, there is a built-in armoire with a gilded mirror that has been known to show a partial reflection of the nanny to both staff and guests who stay there. Staff working late nights have seen the shadow of a woman in a Victorian attire gliding up the stairs to the second floor, as well as report being watched by her as they work. No, thank you. She's also a bit of a stickler for the rules. Of course. She will turn the lights off if a guest or staff member leaves them on when they leave the room. 
And if you're a messy guest staying in her room, she will let you know she is displeased, either via a feeling or by physically moving things around to get your attention, like lifting pictures off the wall and letting them fall to the ground. And if you're kind of a dick, she might thump you on the head. <laughs> like if you criticize your accommodations, the service, the staff, or the ownership. And she's definitely not a fan of anyone saying anything negative about the Starrett family or the city of Port Townsend. You'll definitely get a good thump in then. According to hauntedhouses.com, it is also believed that she takes issue with unmarried couples having alone time. She doesn't like it when they bang it out. Yeah, she's not interested in things being banged out. No banging out. Unless she's banging you on top of the head. She'll thump you if you're banging. Yes. Yes. It told the story of an unmarried couple who continued to experience odd occurrences while in the master bedroom and an overwhelming feeling of disapproval, usually associated with the nanny, because the rest of the family is too chill to be so disapproving. <laughs> These include flickering lights, cold spots, and a Bible that had been laid open on a table whose pages would turn itself with no drafts or winds reported. And quote, During the night, the young man experienced a eerie cold chill the canopy curtain began to shake violently for a moment he loved the experiences calling them experiences of a lifetime and he hoped to return again <laughs> and that is my story of the ann starrett mansion in port townsend washington i loved that they were so happy. That was such a good, like, even happy life. Even the, like, happy slightly death. less than pleasant potential hauntings from the nanny, which, I mean, can you blame her? She's basically living her afterlife at her employer's rather than, you know, yeah. finding her own. So I can't blame her for being a little grouchy. No, that makes sense for sure. But even then, she's not being mean. She's just like, hey, y'all motherfuckers need Jesus. Like, <sighs> Here's the Bible. Let me train. Let, let me, me let me turn exactly the pages the page. for you. Let's find you a passage. <laughs> On the skeptic scale, huh? I'm gonna give this a five. Oh damn, that's so nice. It's because you just love the happiness of it, don't you? No, because here's why. This is such a happy tale, and all the hauntings are so like you are literally just flooded with feelings of goodness, yeah. like. You see people, like, you see a woman admiring artwork or you see a husband accompanying his wife looking at artwork. Like, you you have a ghost who just, like, wants to save your energy bills by shutting off the lights for you. Like, yeah, she's like, excuse me, turn that light off if you're leaving the room. What is wrong with you? Were you raised in a barn? So these are all good things. There's no, like, benefit to people, like, Haunted locations get super big notoriety for being scary. Oh, I see what you mean. Yep. yep. So this if is somebody not was going to lie about this, they'd make it sound scary, but this is not scary at all. So I believe this. I'm I'm fully bought in. Five. All right. Perfect. Uh, we can also, if we ever head over to Washington, we can stay here. It's an Airbnb. I'm in there. Are cats and a little dog. <laughs> and ghosts. Cats, dogs, and ghosts. And ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. We have a listener story. Oh, I'm so excited. I saw it come in. I did not read it, though. This was submitted to us via our website. Jess Nicola, pronouns she, her, sent us a story 
saying, sup dudes, we got another one for you because Jess has yes. submitted stories before. Tala and Esme, our youngest and bestest listeners, uh-huh. have been dying to tell you the story of our current house. What will surprise them is when y'all read this, that there is a lot of stuff that has happened here that I haven't told them about. So, Surprise. Jess, we're uh, sharing this now. So, hopefully. Letting the cat out of the bag. Ha <laughs> ha. Cats and dogs and ghosts out of the bag. Okay, this is a long and winding tale, so I will try my bestest to make it make sense. I moved into my super cute Norton Park house summer of 2018. Much to my delight, I never once got creepy vibes and nothing weird ever happened. A delight, considering my history with spooky houses. Yeah. Cut to me, working from home in 2021. When I work from home, I have it totally silent. No TV, no radio. My ADHD won't let me think if there's a sound happening. So I'm sitting in our living room, working from my laptop. Then I hear what sounded exactly like the basement door opening and closing. Uh, which is quite mm. loud. It didn't sound similar to the door opening. There was no doubt in my mind that the door opened and slammed shut. My dogs go running downstairs as they do and then come upstairs. No one follows them and I don't hear anything else. I checked my husband's location to see if he came home. Nope, not home. I panic. I text my group chat as you do when you're afraid that you're about to get murdered. And Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to move because my house is old, so the floor is squeaky. If there's a murderous intruder in my basement, they would be able to hear exactly where I go. Yep. Group chat convinces me to go downstairs after about 10 minutes and hearing nothing else. I try to send my dogs downstairs to check, but they're useless. So I grab a (laughs) hammer and a flashlight, again, as one does, and head downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Judy would, after meeting Judy... I don't know She's that Judy scared. would do much. No. No. <laughs> Judy's Lovely the dog, dog by the way, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I check around and see and hear nothing. Then I go to my bedroom where the door is and see that it's deadbolted. It definitely didn't open. And I'm spooked. I call my bestie who then proceeds to tell me a story. She goes, okay, don't tell Josh I told you. Like, that's going to stop me. And she pulls up her messages with him and reads the message from December 14th of 2020, where he texts her at like 3 a.m. to tell her a story he doesn't want to tell me because he didn't want to freak me out. He said we were in bed sleeping and he feels something push on his hip and goes to push it off thinking it's a cat. Only his hand doesn't touch anything and the cat is over by me, back arched, looking at him towards the other side of the bed. Uh Uh-oh. Of course, the moment he got home, I berated him endlessly for not telling me. Yep. Yep. This also reminded me of a few nights before when I was in that half-sleep state where I swore I heard a kid whine. I thought in that, like, half-second, half-sleep state, oh, one of the girls must be sick, then Mm -hmm. immediately realized they weren't home. Ah. I could also feel Josh wake up from the same noise. Again, As you do, I pretended to be asleep and forced myself to fall back asleep so I didn't have to deal with it. The next morning, I talked to Josh about it, and he told me that he had no idea what I was talking about. So when I find out he's texting my friend about some spooky shit happening while I'm sleeping, I brought that up, too, and he sticks to his guns and says he doesn't remember the wine noise that night. Typical. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I go about my life. Girls are none the wiser. 
A couple of weeks go by. Door thing happens a couple of times. Same thing. Dogs run downstairs. I go check. Door is locked. Nothing is moved. I talk to some friends about it. General consensus is either some transient ghost is hanging out or I brought something into the house that had a spirit attached. Which I'm like, how can I figure out what it is? My house is filled with strange, weird things from strange, weird places. As long as she's not blaming us, our podcast on like summoning something. <laughs> We've had a few of those. Yeah. Passover 2021, my friend came over early to help me cook. Sitting on the couch, door sounds like it slammed open and then shut. She asked, is someone here? Dogs run downstairs. I check. Nope. I tell her no. Ghost is just fucking around. She confirms that it does sound exactly like the door is opening and slamming. Finally, somebody else heard it. Then, maybe a week later, I'm sitting in my dining room working and on the phone with a client. Straight ahead of me is the girl's bedroom. I see and hear the door rattling. Often, the girls accidentally lock Floppy Cat in their room and he paws at the door to be let out. So I tell the client, hey, hold on, my kids locked their cat in the room and he's trying to get out. So I walk over to the room and open the door. Cat doesn't run out. In fact, I search the room and there's no cat in there at all. I fucking freaked. Up until this point, all the activity was in our room downstairs. I text Josh, ghost moved upstairs. Oh, I don't like that. And ugh, where your kids live? Oh. Then one morning, a bit later, Josh comes upstairs to go pee pee at like 5 a.m. He walks through the kitchen and into the dining room and our chandelier is swinging around in a circle Jess, what? pause from the story here. Jess or Josh, one of the two of them texted me this. I have it on my phone. It's so freaking weird. Like there's like nothing else it? moving. Yeah. It's like f freely swinging. <gasps> nothing else is moving it. Okay. So our chandelier is swinging around as a circle. He just stood there and watched it. He pulled up his phone and got it on video also. Spooked dude. He later asked the girls if they've ever seen anything happen before, and they both very casually, I might add, go, yeah, a couple of times. Girls after my own heart. They both said they thought it was animals in our attic. How big of squirrels do they think are in our attic? <laughs> we let them believe that, though, until right now, I guess. All right, so now I really start trying to figure out what the hell is in my house. What did I buy pre-December... 14th, 2021, that brought a ghost into my house. I right. go through all the photos on my phone and find it. December 10th, 2021, I gave them a menorah I got from an antique store for Hanukkah. I realized, I think a Jew ghost is in my house and probably mad. And then I realized, forgive me if I mispronounce this, our mezuzah on our downstairs door fell off a long time ago. And because I'm just an awful Jew, I set it straight on the ledge and didn't put it back up. This is probably what's pissing the thing off. So we hang it back up. Banging on that door stopped immediately, like it never happened again. I thought we got rid of the ghost, but I think it's just not mad at us anymore. Because it still does some weird shit every once in a while. Like what sparked us writing to you. Two days ago, Tala and Esme were sitting in the living room and the closed and locked door that leads into the front porch clicked and then opened. Our piano's out there, and I've also heard it go off before, just untouched by anything. So I think our menorah ghost is going to hang out for a bit longer. 
Good thing, though, is I don't think they're mad, just mussing around with shit every once in a while. I don't mind, actually. They can hang out as long as they like. Probably keep us in line. Thanks for being awesome and letting us tell you our spooks. Esme says hi. That's literally it. I just asked her what she wanted to say to you, and she goes, hi. So, hi. Hi. Okay, love you, bye. Okay. <laughs> love you, bye. <laughs> so, holy shit. I knew about the swinging chandelier. chandelier. Yeah. But that was the last I heard about it. I haven't heard anything else. And holy crap. And also, it's nice to hear from Tala and Esme, because I hadn't heard from them in forever. And hopefully, they didn't hear last week's episode. I was wondering about that. I actually saw them at Ben Paddle's Festiversary, so I saw them yesterday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But Oh, that's freaky. I don't like that at all. But, I, I mean, I do... If, if everything's good now, but I, the, the door slamming. I don't, as I've said before, not a fan of door slamming. I don't like it. No, no. I'm, I'm glad though, that it was just encouraging her to be a better Jew though. Like just hang up your thing. Like you're supposed to. Now we cool. As a over a decade lapsed Catholic, I have no opinion on what anybody needs to do for any religion. Cause I don't, I don't know. I stopped believing a long time ago, but I wouldn't know. So what I'm saying is I wouldn't know what, would make somebody mad so at least Jess knew what to do to like yeah, make the ghost son mad because I would still be very haunted because I would be like what why what do you need what what are you trying to tell me <laughs> you're not being very helpful if you have a listener story you would like to submit to us to read on the podcast you can do so by visiting our website www.leftofskeptic.com or emailing us directly leftofskeptic at gmail.com or you can click the link tree in our bio. You can choose to include your name or remain anonymous, whichever you'd prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. We want to thank everybody for joining us this evening. We love you very much. Y'all are the bomb. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. okay. Bye. The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye.